gracious Father, on this Resurrection Sunday, we give you praise and honor and glory and majesty. You've given us your Son, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one whom you sent to redeem us from our sins. And the victory is his. And so we bless you and pray that you would come and open your word to us today. And as we pray this, we pray the prayer, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. We cannot understand these glorious truths unless you help us and give us insights into the glory of this word. So we ask that you would move, I pray, above and beyond what what any of us imagined you would do in us today. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I mean, please be seated. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Okay, that was, yeah. We're going to redo that. <laughs> we, we didn't get to do it last Easter, and so we're going to do it even louder this one, okay? So, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Christ is risen. Amen. Amen. What a celebration that we come to this morning. Well, a number of years ago on Easter Sunday, the kids at a particular church were putting on an Easter pageant and and they were reenacting the the resurrection morning when Mary and the other ladies were going to to the tomb with their spices to anoint Jesus' body who was in the tomb, so they thought. And so during this reenactment, these kids, there were some little girls playing Mary and Salome and, and some of the others. And you know the story. They got there and the stone had been rolled away. Jesus was not in the tomb, but there was this man, an angel in, in white clothing in there, who, who said these words, He is not here, he is risen. Well, this was the time that five-year-old Brian was to come in playing the role of that man, that angel. And so when it was his time, he just stood there. He forgot his short lines. And the director, who was off on the side of it, kind of whispered what he was supposed to say. And then once he heard it immediately, five-year-old Brian stood up straight and tall with great confidence, grabbed the microphone, and triumphantly shouted, He is not here. He's in prison. (laughs) I love that. I can assure you we come this morning not to celebrate a Savior who is in prison, but one who truly has risen indeed. Friends, like the women, like those little girls portrayed in that play, you and I come to the tomb and this morning we find that it is empty as they found it. Christ has risen indeed. And there's a question that I want to just throw to you to think about this morning and even as you leave today. And this is the question. How are you going to make your way from the tomb today? Not how are you going to make your way to the tomb, but how are you going to make your way from the tomb today? You see, what we find is this. The empty tomb is not... The, the end of a story. It's not the final destination in and of itself. Rather, it is the new beginning. And it sets us on a journey 
of new beginnings, of, of new life. Not just on this Easter Sunday, but frankly, for all who come and receive what Jesus has done, we are on a glorious new journey. There's three things that I want to highlight from the passage. Is actually Dustin read, I think it said Luke in your bulletin. It's the Gospel of Mark, um, his uh, account of the Resurrection Sunday. Three things I want us to see, though. First is this, because Jesus has risen, we will never walk the road ahead alone. Secondly, because Jesus has risen, Jesus meets us in our fears and our worries and our anxiety and our sin and our brokenness. He meets us there and he sets us free. And the third thing that we're going to see is because Jesus has risen from the grave, we are transformed. We become truly new creations, as Paul talked about it in the New Testament, new creations in Christ. Let me hit this first point. It's short, but it's an important point for us to get. And it's this, because Jesus has risen, we will never walk this road ahead alone. It's been some kind of 12 months, hasn't it? As I said earlier, we weren't here worshiping together. I don't know where you were, but I don't think that you were in a church last Sunday. Most of us were watching it online. Every one of us this past 12 months has been faced with all kinds of uncertainties, uncertainties that we never imagined. And then we begin to realize, you know what? Life is really all about uncertainties. We have faced them. We really faced them this last 12 months, and we're going to continue to face them ahead I love as Forrest Gump put it, you know, the saying, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And some of you have had all but chocolate in this last year. While we don't know what we're going to get, I can tell you this. As you walk with Jesus, I can tell you with confidence what you're going to get. You're going to get one who is with you in those moments of uncertainties. You are going to get a Savior, Lord, a King who is with you in all the twists and turns of life. You will get His presence with you. What we find here in Mark 16, verse 7, is this, this angel, this man telling these ladies what was ahead. And they said, but go and tell His disciples and Peter, He is going before you to Galilee. There you will see Him just as He told you. It's an important thing for us to pick up on. Here's what I want you to see this morning. The fact that Jesus went ahead of them to meet with them gives us a foretaste of the reality that Jesus is a Savior who is with us. You see, he didn't, he didn't not go to be with them, but he went right where they were. And friends, that's insight for you and me that he is a Savior who is with us. You and I will never walk this road ahead alone. Remember the night before Jesus was handed over and arrested, he had celebrated the Passover feast, that last supper with his disciples. And he told them a lot of important things during that time, but he gave them one powerful promise. I want to read it to you. It's in, it's in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18. Here's the promise Jesus said to them. For if you love me, you will keep my, command and, my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you. He will be in you. And then Jesus said this, we already sang about it. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. 
Now, they had no idea really what he was saying. They didn't even have, they couldn't even put their minds around the reality that he was about to be crucified, even though he told them things that were going to happen. But I want you to hear this promise. He said, I'm going to give you, when I'm gone, a helper. And some of the translations say a counselor. Well, that word in the Greek is an important word. It's the word paraclete. And what it really means is this. It's one who is called alongside another. One who is called alongside another. Do you see this gift that Jesus said he's going to give to his followers? I'm going to give you this gift, a helper, this counselor we know as the Holy Spirit. That when Jesus ascended up into heaven, he gave the church, his people, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the one who is our helper, our counselor, the one who is called to our side. Do you see the point here? We are never alone. Whatever the road ahead for you is, friends, I can tell you, as you come to follow Jesus, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit, the very presence of of the Savior in you. I love as the Apostle Paul put it in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. He said, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the grave dwells in you. I want you to think about that. That is resurrection presence. It is resurrection power that you and I have every single day. Friends, the road ahead for us, it's going to be filled with all kinds of twists and turns. We're going to go through deserts. We're going to go through valleys. We're going to go through open roads. We're going to go through mountaintops and grassy fields and dark forests. The road ahead is going to have all kinds of things for us. But I want you to know this. The resurrection makes the reality that Jesus is with us possible. And so here this morning, You will never walk the road ahead alone when you receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. He is the I am with you God. Or as Matthew, and we meet in Matthew's gospel, Jesus said these words, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Friends, that is a promise that the resurrection makes real for you and me today. That's the first point. The second is this, because Jesus has risen from the grave, He meets us in our sin and our pain and our fears and our brokenness. Just in the mess of our lives, he meets us right there and he sets us free. Recently, a friend of mine gave me this key. It's a replica of the key of the Bastille, which was given to George Washington by the French revolutionary leader, Marquise de Lafayette. It was the key to the main prison door in the Bastille, this this medieval fortress that was, it symbolized corruption, corruption of the French government. It was a place of abandonment where people were shut out. They had no voice. And Lafayette gave George Washington this key along with a letter. And here's what the letter said. Give me leave, my dear general, to present to you with the main key to the fortress of despotism. It is a tribute which I owe as a son to my adopted father, as a missionary of liberty. Friends, I want you to see this. On that Resurrection Sunday, what we find is is not a key like this that sets captives free, but a Savior who came to set captives free. 
Let me take you back to that scene. That resurrection Sunday, what things that were going on at the tomb, Jesus' disciples were locked in a room in Jerusalem. (laughs) They had the door locked because they were terrified. They were living in fear because they didn't really believe and lean into the reality that Jesus would be raised on the third day. And so they thought when he died on the cross, that was the end of the story. And they were in fear that the Jewish leaders would come and find them, arrest them and put them to death as well. So you can imagine from the moment that Jesus was taken off the cross to this moment, the fear, the trembling, the doubt, the discouragement that that all of them experienced, the hopelessness being locked like that in that room. Well, here's what we see in John's gospel uh, of uh, of the resurrection. He says this, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews... Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus again said, Peace be with you. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus came to meet with them right in the midst of their fear. Right in the midst of their discouragement and doubt. He met them right in the midst of it. Friends, what I want you to see is that Easter shows us that Jesus comes right where we are. Right where we are. You know, he doesn't say, you got to go clean up your act before I come show you myself. Or you've got to be living right. You've got to do it all right before I come reveal myself to you. Now, what I want you to see this morning is this. The story tells us that Jesus meets us right where we are in the midst of our mess. In the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our sin, he meets us right there. And he brings resurrection hope and resurrection life. Friends, he's the one who comes to us. Isn't that amazing? That's the glory of who he is as Savior and King. So let me ask you these questions. What are you fearful of today? Has something locked you up? Kind of like the disciples. Has something locked you up in fear? Are you fearful of what the future holds before you? Are you bound in the fear of man? Living, worrying, always thinking, what do people think of me? Wanting to, in a sense, live for the approval of others. Are you bound in shame and guilt because of the sins that you've committed? Where's hopelessness crept into your life? Friends, what I want you to see this morning in this glorious passage is this. Jesus came right in the midst of them. And you know what he did? He showed them his hands. He was there present with them. And let me tell you what I believe happened on that day. The lock of the door was blown apart. And Jesus did not come with the key to say, I'm going to unlock it and let you all out. You know what he did? He came with himself. I want you to see Jesus is the key. He is the one to true freedom, to true life for you and me. We don't need a key like this. The Savior himself is the key. What I want you to see, I love this passage. You know, each of the gospel writers picks up on a different nuance of what happened on that resurrection Sunday. And Mark picks up on this, that, that, that man, the angel said these words, but go tell his disciples and Peter, 
and he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Some of you know about Peter. I love that he said, go tell the disciples and Peter. Do you know who Peter was? Peter was the disciple who followed Jesus. He kind of was a really, I don't know how you would describe him, wild, sporadic, just did things off the cuff. But he's most known for that place when Jesus was handed over to be betrayed. When he was betrayed, Peter denied him three times. Peter was a follower, but then turned against him. And when he was asked, are you a follower of Jesus? He said, no, three times. See, I believe Jesus wanted Peter to know that the resurrection was also for him. Friends, for those of you who've denied him, I've been there. For those of you who have rejected him, for those of you who have been bound in fear and doubt, fill in the blank. Jesus comes for you. And he comes right in the midst of where you are. I just want you to hear this. Because of the resurrection, our fears are quieted with love. Our failures are met with forgiveness and our hopelessness with faith that all things are now possible. Amen. Here's a question I want to ask right now. (laughs) Have you welcomed Jesus in to be Savior and Lord of your life? Friends, it's the most important question. It, It kind of alludes to the very first question that I mentioned. How are you going to make your way from the tomb this morning? Well, one of the questions we've got to ask is, have I welcomed him as Savior into the mess of my life? Can I tell you when you do, and it doesn't matter what you've done, what you, what, what you find is forgiveness. And friends, that is called freedom. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Romans 8.1, where he said, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The key has come. And he's come to bring freedom for you and me. That's the glory of the risen Savior, isn't it? And finally, here's what we see here. Because Jesus has risen from the grave, friends, we are transformed. We are made new. Now you say, how, how, what do you mean? How am I made new? What does that look like? Well, I want to take you back to this passage. When Jesus rose from the grave in a body... He met with them in that room. He met with those on that road to Emmaus. He later met with many in in Galilee. And so he had a physical body. But what we find in all of the glory of the resurrection, he still had the nail scars. He still had the wounds that he showed Thomas and the other disciples. But he was renewed in a new resurrected body. Here's the connection I want to make. You and I all have wounds, don't we? We all have scars. Some of them are probably pretty big battle scars. You know, some of us are going to get a lot more. But the reality is we need to see those wounds, those things that we've experienced through life as, as, not, as not pulling us down and hindering us from coming alive. But we need to see that those are actually wounds that turn into wounds of glory, wounds of grace, Wounds of of God's redeeming, resurrected life in us. Here's what Tom Wright, a great scholar in the New Testament, he wrote these words concerning this passage. When Jesus of Nazareth came out of the tomb on Easter morning in his transformed, renewed body, 
having gone through death itself and out the other side, he gave the world the first glimpse of the fact that God is in the business, not of abandoning this sad old world and taking us off to a disembodied heaven, but of redeeming, renewing, transforming this world so that everything that has been good, lovely, just, holy, beautiful, is enhanced, purified, and raised to new heights of glory. Friends, Jesus is in the business of renewal and restoration. I want you to hear that this morning. Where in your life do you need to know that Jesus is going to renew and restore the brokenness of your life? The resurrection shows us that's exactly what he came to do. All those broken places. We get a glimpse of it in verse 5 of Mark 16. We read again, and entering the tomb, this is what the lady said. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side dressed in a white robe. Can I tell you what this angel of the Lord symbolizes for you and me? Purity, holiness, spotless beauty. I want to tell you that, if you're a follower of Jesus, that is who you are now. You may not believe that. You may say, whoa, whoa, Robert, you don't know what I've done. There's no way I can see myself as someone who is pure and holy and spotless with beauty. But, oh, friends, I can tell you that's what the resurrection did. That's what Jesus did on the cross by shedding his blood for you. When you are covered in his blood, you become righteous and holy in God's eyes. You are spotless. Friends, can I tell you, we need to begin to see ourselves in that way. I think far too often we allow others to tell us who we are. And they're telling us a lie. We need to hear the words of the Lord that we are redeemed and righteous in his eyes. I love King David in the Old Testament who wrote many of the Psalms. One in particular was Psalm 51. Psalm 51 was written after he had had an affair with Bathsheba, had her husband killed. (laughs) You think, wow. But that man encountered forgiveness. And what he said in Psalm 51, he said that we become whiter than snow. He saw himself as whiter than snow because that's what the resurrection does for you and me, friends. And so I want you to hear this morning, wherever you are, wherever you've been, Jesus comes to make us whiter than snow. We are transformed more and more into his likeness. I want to end with this passage. It's in 1 John at the end of the Bible. 1 John verses, chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. Here's what John wrote. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. Is that not good news? <laughs> that the blood of Jesus shed for you and me on the cross cleanses us from all sin. Whiter than snow. Are you getting the picture? And then in verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Friends, that's the good news this morning, isn't it? In Christ, you are clean, you are holy. So we've seen the tomb, haven't we, this morning? We've come to see that the tomb is empty. And so I'll ask you the question again as I close. How are you going to make your way from the empty tomb today? How are you going to make your way?
Friends, Jesus came to bring us a new journey with a new life where we are spotless and radiant. Oh, that we would begin to see ourselves that way and call out that glory in one another. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Father, I thank you for the power of your word. (laughs) That this story, this truth really happened. And Jesus, you really gave your life for us such love that we can't even fathom. But I thank you for this gift. And I thank you that we can stand today and proclaim this truth and live out this truth with our lives. And so come, Holy Spirit, do in each of our lives this morning what you long to do as we continue to give you our praise and worship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.